again, ladies and gentlemen, Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 121 of Radiance, my original Fallout fanfiction. As always, I do hope you can like, share and subscribe to this wherever you can. And leave feedback on sites like fanfiction.net, archiveofourown.org, or even on my own website, ghostnobody.com. Because I always appreciate your comments and thoughts, and I always like seeing what you guys are thinking. And if you do visit ghostnobody.com, why not pop in and check out Storm Rider while you're there? My original work. You know, if big surly dragoness girls, human boys and orcs and elves and magical realms are your thing, check it out. You might enjoy it. And also while you're there, pop over to the Ghostly Link section. Check out Mortis on either Amazon or on Smashwords. Pick yourself up a copy and help support me. Keep me doing what I love. Bringing unlikely alien romance stories to you good people. So, without any further ado, let's get this show on the road, shall we? Oh, but first the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own Fallout or anything to do with it. That's all the realm of Bethesda. I just keep the crazy tales happy. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 121. Home Movers Blues. In the midst of the crab storm that had followed Number 8's infiltration of the railroad and subsequent outsting by Wisp and her people, both groups found some common ground and sat down together to discuss a potential partnership that could benefit them both. But the real first order of business had been getting the railroad people moving, as their HQ had been under the church at the centre of Boston, had been compromised by Number 8. And if he'd gone scurrying back to the Enclave... Well, then there was no telling when the heavy clomping of power-armoured jackboots would be heard clomping through those well-disguised catacombs. So with Wisp's team's help, they stripped and moved the entire HQ to a nearby site that Desdemona had picked out. Now, it wasn't one of the fallback locations they had on file, as they had no telling if Eight had actually compromised those as well. Tinker Tom had set up a beacon that informed all incoming railroad teams on their way back to HQ of the security breach, and to disperse to their designated safe house until they could be contacted and brought into the new HQ in time. This was also communicated in rail sign that was now plastered on the doors and walls of the HQ, so if by any chance any personnel did come calling without hearing the beacon, they'd see the warning signs and vanish like smoke in the breeze. The last thing they did before finally leaving the HQ that had served them for so long, was to booby-trap everything that they could think of to make a place a hell of nightmares for any trespassers who would break in while they were gone. Though it was Desdemona's hope that one day they would be able to reclaim it. The new hate coup they'd picked out was, ironically, an actual railroad. Well, a subway station deep in the underground heart of Boston Rail Network. As it turned out, Tinker Tom had been holding a little ace up his sleeve in case for dire emergencies and had pulled it at just the right moment. And the best part about it, he hadn't either written it down or told anyone about it. Well, until now that was. You see, this wasn't only an ordinary subway station that they were looking for. It was an old abandoned Voltec vault. He discovered it going through a series of old vault records that had been brought in on holotape by one of the SCAV teams, but there had never been any real records of this place and any of the other records that they recovered 
from either the local Voltec offices or any others. And they had always been on the lookout for old vaults, as they were always a mine of old tech that they could potentially salvage. But this place? This place was special. It had been penned for local politicians and VIPs, and it was kindly a strictly off-the-grid kind of affair. Apparently, some kind of under-the-table deal between somebody high up in vault in their hierarchy, and the local business and politici- politics bigwigs. The locally, local wealthy business folk had stumped up the cash, while the politicians, well, they did their bit to keep it out of the papers and let it fly under the radar. It was so hush-hush that it didn't even have a number. All it was referred to in the paperwork was the retreat. Are you really sure this place exists, Tom? Desdemona asked for about the sixth time this particular hour, as the now large group of railroad personnel and Wisps team walked through the rat's maze of tunnels that wound them ever deeper underneath the city. I'm sure, Des, for the umpteenth time. It was right there in the fucking paperwork. Hard as fuck to dig up and decode, mind you. But it was there, all right, Tom said as he tapped his Pip-Boy, which contained the route and rough location of the supposed secret vault. Well, all I'm seeing down here is feral bloody ghouls and roaches. So many bloody roaches, Malachi said from above their heads on the tunnel ceiling. Yeah, I heard that, Glory grilled as she saw yet another feral ghoul and roach strung up in one of Malachi's web traps and dangling from the ceiling like a shit-filled piñata. We're close. Trust me, I can feel it, Tom said, checking his map again and then finally pointing off to the left. If I'm right, and let's say I always bloody well am, there should be a maintenance door coming up on the left side there. If we take it, it should lead us into another side tunnel. But this one doesn't show up any on any of the transit maps I've got, Tom said. Military? Wisp asked, and Tom nodded. Yep, there's quite a few like that down here. And you'd never even know about it unless you managed to stumble into one of them by off sheer off chance. And give a sheer amount of shit down here, you'd have to have balls of steel. And you'd be able or be able to walk on walls like your fluffy boyfriend up there and to get past them. Oh, well, you know, be a big angry claw, Tom said, glancing first at Malachi scuttling along on the ceiling, and then switching his attention to Ven who was simply striding along at the centre of the group as if he had no care in the world. Whispered noted just how many of the railroad personnel had actually warmed right up to their non-human friends when the first wave of ferals had charged at them, only to run smack-bang into Ven and Passer, who diced through them like rotten sausages in a matter of seconds. Ever since then, the group had tightened up around the two claws like they were two walking beacons of safety. Just as Tom had said, out of the gloom, a door appeared, set into the wall of the tunnel with faded and flaking yellow paint on it, which did give it away as a maintenance door, rather easily, as all the maintenance shafts down here were painted bright yellow so they could be easily spotted in the gloom. Malachi dropped off down the ceiling and scuttled up to the door. He tried the handle and saw that it was rusted shut. So planting his eight legs wide apart, he anchored himself down and put that surprising arachnid strength of his to good use in wrenching the handle open with a metallic screech 
that echoed away down into the distance of the tunnels beyond. As he pulled it open finally, both Ven and Passer moved past first, just in case the Terrell had a nasty feral surprise waiting for them on the other side of it. And despite not having much in the way of manoeuvrability in the tight corridor, an angry wall of scales and claws coming at you down a tight tunnel was more than enough to even make the rad brains think twice about coming down. Once everyone passed through the tunnel, Malachi once again sealed it up again behind them, and the group now found themselves in a slightly narrower train tunnel that wound its way off into the darkness in both directions. The entrance to the vault tunnel should be just up ahead. They used this line to run munitions between some of the military bases in the region, and there's a few underground stations that serve as fallback positions and stockpiles for the military, though to be fair most have been clicked picked clean by now though there are still one or two waiting in the shadows just waiting to be found there's not exactly a road proper road map for them down here you know tom said taking point now how the hell did the military manage to keep track of them all if there's no maps passer asked it was most likely written in code but without a cipher to decode it it would be a pain in the arse for anyone to really crack it these days so it's not that maps don't exist more that they've been encoded so that no rando who just happens to manage to get their hands on one would really have a chance of reading it, Fuller said as he walked along next to Glory, who'd bet barely let him out of her sight to take a piss since their reunion. Not that Wisp could really blame her. Hell, she'd figured that if she found herself in Glory's shoes, she'd probably have tied herself to Malachi's fluffy rear end and clung the fuck on, no matter where he scuttled himself off to. So how the hell did they manage to sneak a whole bloody vault down here with her into the line without anyone noticing? Desdemona asked as she walked along following Tom. I don't really think that it was so much that they weren't noticed. It was just that people had a lot of other things to worry about other than some random construction work going on. Think about it, Des. The military was on the brink of war and was gearing up for it. Bases and pop-up bases were springing up all over the shop and personnel and equipment were buzzing around everywhere like wasps. So, a regular everyday soldier's going to worry about some random construction dudes just building something that kind of looks like another base on the line? Or have they got other things to worry about? He said. Well, I guess when you put it like that, yeah, it does kind of make sense, but still, hard to imagine that they could construct an entire vault right under the military's nose and no one noticed or batted an eyelid, she said. Oh, they most likely noticed. And the ones with any kind of real power to do anything about it were probably either promised a place for themselves and their families, just to, you know, look the other way, or, at the very least, paid very well. Business was shady as fuck back then. Tom said, running his sand down the inside of the dark stone walls as he walked. And that's when he stopped dead. And there it is, he exclaimed, pointing. When everyone looked, there was nothing there but a little box on the wall. <clears throat> um, I know those lenses on your head can fuck up your eyes somewhat, Tom, but I think you might need to get them checked. Because all I see is a bloody junction box, Glory said, looking where he pointed, and Tom turned to grin at her. And that's the point, my synthetic friend. Take a closer look at that junction box, and tell me, what do you see? He said. They all turned to look at the junction box again, and at first nothing really jumped out at them, until Malachi piped up from the ceiling above them. 
Isn't that join a kind of little odd? Kind of looks like one of those vault doors. You know, a big fucking cog. He said, pointing it with a joint box joined a cable that ran off into the wall to only fuck knows where. Exactly. Hiding in plain sight is their M.O. to a T, Tom said. And with that, he walked up to the junction box and opened it with little effort. Now, to the untrained eye, it didn't really look any no- different to a normal junction box, full of fuses and breakers. But right there at the bottom, there was something that really didn't belong. A Pip-Boy interface. Tom pulled the wire from his own Pip-Boy and plugged it into the port. He ran through a series of codes until he found one that worked. Uh, as it did, a small flap in the bottom of the box that they hadn't seen before popped open, revealing a large red button hidden behind it, which upon being pressed, started a whole series of events that made a whole lot of mouths fall open. Firstly, the whole tunnel began to shake, then the lines under their feet began to retract like they were being pulled in by something. Next up, a large section of the wall simply retracted into the floor. And finally, another set of lines appeared out of the gravel to make a split section. One going left, and the other continuing on right. Ladies, gents, claws and fluffy spooder people, I give you the retreat, Tom said proudly while doing an overly theatrical bow and sweeping an arm gesture towards the tunnel that now appeared in front of them. Well, I'll be damned. So it does exist, Desdemona exclaimed, staring off into the darkness. And aren't the residents going to be kind of pissed when we show up to knock on their door uninvited? Glory asked, and Tom shot her a wide grin. Now that, my synthetic friend, is truly the best part. Although the vault was finished, they never got to use it. Before the bombs fell... They really had a chance, they didn't have a chance to set up the system or to tell people who paid for it where it really was. So as far as we know, it's pristine. Never been opened or used. Well, until today, that is, he said, grinning. Well then, what are we waiting for? Let's go, Wisp said, and the whole group set off into the newly opened tunnel, only for it to close behind them when they only got halfway. So wait, you're telling me you've known about this place the entire time, but you never told us? Desdemona said as they began to walk down the now sealed tunnel leading towards the vault entrance, which the closer they got became more and more obvious in the distance as the painted metal began to reflect their lights. Not the entire time, no. I began to hear and see whispers of its existence in the files we kept finding, in both military files and the vault files. So I decided to start cross-referencing everything, mainly because I was just curious. But the more I dug, the more I realised that not only was this place real, but in time it might absolutely be perfect for us when the time was right. And when shit hit the fan enough. And lo and behold, here we are at that point, Tom explained. Desdemona shot him an odd glance, but then sighed heavily. Actually, thinking about it, you were probably right not to tell me earlier, as I'd have probably just written it off as you chasing ghosts again, and not worthy of diverting resources to. But here we are now, and who would have thought that even one of your fucking conspiracy theories not only turns out to be true, but actually saves our asses? She said with a chuckle to her voice. You're welcome, 
Tom said, not particularly looking pleased to be made out to be a wild conspiracy theorist in front of all their new friends. As they finally reached the end of the tunnel, they fully saw it. A signature Vault-Tec vault door set into the tunnel wall itself in the shape of an oversized cog blocking their path. So, does that box of tricks of yours open this or are we going to need to break out the bloody crowbars? Gloria asked, gesturing firstly to Tom's Pip-Boy and then to the blue and yellow door set into the wall. You're going to need a lot more than a fucking crowbar to get through this fucker, I can tell you. Not even the fucking bombs could crack these things. Hence why none of them were ever get broken into, really. The only way people get into one of these things is when they were selected, and later on, when the people inside were stupid enough or desperate enough to open the doors. Tom said, walking up to a control panel set onto the wall. He stretched the wire and connected out from his Pip-Boy and hooked it up to the door itself. But unlike the panel back in the previous tunnel, this one simply growed an angry red at him. Ah, fuck. Looks like a specific code is needed. It's not in the vault database. It's going to take a bit for me to crack this damn thing, so you might want to get comfy. We might be here for a while. Tom said, sounding a little flawn. Well, maybe I could take a look, Wisp said, walking up to join him, and Tom glanced at her for a moment before shrugging and gesturing to the panel. Be my guest. After the shit I've seen you and your people do, I know better than to second-guess you lot anymore, he said. Wisp turned to Malachi and gave him a discreet nod. The large arachnikai boy scuttled his way up behind her and held her body tenderly as she exited through both the mouth and nose, causing it to sag limply into his arms. Don't be gone too long, my love. You know I get jittery when you're not here where you belong, he said tenderly and whisked a floating lap around his head while he twitched his little mandibles and pedipalps before turning herself into a large floating heart shape. Gaining access to the vault door controls was a piece of piss thanks to Tom's Pip-Boy connection and once she'd gained entry she began to cycle her way through all the contained codes that she could find stored on the Matrix until she hit the right one. There was a loud rumble and a metallic shriek from behind the wall as the giant screw system that was behind the door began to move itself forwards to uncork the door from the inside. Wisp shot back out of the door panel and into a body, making it spring to life in Malachi's arms, and the first thing she did was give him a big mischievous grin. Miss me? she said playfully, and he gave her a flick of his pedipalps. Very funny, he said before swinging her around and plopping her down on his fluffy rear end. Jesus Christ, you don't fuck about, do you? I was expecting to be here for at least an hour or so, Desdemona exclaimed as she watched the door beginning to vibrate and the large screw drill screwed itself into the thread on the other side. It's a lot easier to pop the code when you have access to the circuit board on which they're stored. Kind of a simple task of picking one of the stored codes out and spoofing it so the system thinks it's actually being activated, she replied with a shrug. Seems like you lot are real handy to have around in a pinch, Glory said, glancing at the group. More than you know, trust me, these guys saved my ass more than once out there. Hell, those two chased me halfway across the region when I got myself kidnapped, Fuller said, gesturing to Wisp and Passer. You got yourself fucking kidnapped? Glory exclaimed, looking a little shocked and angry, as well as worried. 
Yeah, that was kind of my fault, Yumi said. She glanced at the young Japanese girl curiously. Uh, how exactly? Glory asked. Well, she was the one who kidnapped me, Fuller said, and Glory now looked at them both with a raised eyebrow. This girl is about 90 pounds soaking wet. And how the fuck did that happen exactly? Glory exclaimed and now Wisp Group all laughed. If there's one thing you're going to learn real fast hanging about us, is looks mean f- absolutely fuck all. That girl right there has more than enough power in her little finger to kill us all without much of an effort. Ven said to the now rather startled Glory who glanced at Yumi to now only notice this entire time that she hadn't actually been holding a flaming torch, but had just lit her hand on fire. How the fuck did I not notice that before? Glory exclaimed, staring at her burning hand. Most people only really see what they want to see, rather than what they really should see. Kind of the premise of this whole group, really. They see people for who they really are. You see, I'm a number, just like Wisp here. Though, as you can see... We're vastly different. While Wisp is a non-corporeal being, unable to infiltrate machines, I'm able to control the elements around me, Yumi said, holding up her other hand and making the fire jump between the two. Okay, that's officially cool as fuck, Glory said, watching the flame bounce back and forth. Oh, and she can also fly, Fuller said, making Glory shoot him an amazed glance before returning her attentions to Yumi, who simply gave her a grin. He's not kidding, she said. Oh, fuck me sideways. Can you all bloody fly or something? I'm beginning to feel left out here. Glory muttered and passed. I gave her a fang-filled grin. Nope, just me, Yumi, Wisp. Though Malachi can jump seriously far and that's pretty close. He said, ruffling his wings, which seemed to attract Shepard's hands like black magnets instantly. Finally, the door rolled itself open and revealed what was hidden beyond it. It's another tunnel, Desdemona said, peering into the brightly lit rail tunnel. No, it looks more like a train station. Look, there's a platform there for people to be offloaded. I guess that's where the guests were supposed to be processed before being taken further down into the vault itself, Malachi said before he sprung forwards and landed on the platform itself. He rotated himself around in a full circle with wisps still mounted on his back like a little jockey. Looks clear. Coming in, guys. Malachi called and the rest of the team headed in, with Tom just stopping to pull a breaker switch on the platform next to the door once they were all inside. It seemed that the breaker controlled the door drill, because no sooner as he pulled it, the drill slid back down into the centre of the rails and rolled the door back into position, before pushing it back into the slot that it had been pulled out of, now sealing it shut. There was a deep, resonating, metallic screech as the drill pushed the cog-shaped door home and fastened it into place. Only then did it retract up into the ceiling and out of the way. Can't get over how clean this place looks. There's the moaner said, looking right at the bright lights that lit the platform up. It seemed to be littered with little tables that had blue jumpsuits and plastic wrappings sat on them, waited to be handed out. Vaults were designed to be a completely sealed environment. Isolated from the outside world and the radiation that it contained. No air or water from the outside. So that means no rot or decay or bacteria or fungus either. It's kind of like a fucked up oversized time capsule when you think about it. 
Tom said as he walked back to join the rest of them who'd all now climbed up onto the platform. I'm just surprised the generators are still working after all this time, Chloe said, glancing up at the bright lights. Nuclear powered, and the whole thing has basically been in standby mode this entire time, so it's probably not even used a tiny fraction of its fuel, Fuller said, heading towards what looked like the security office, which was set into the wall of the station with a flexi-glass window looking out onto the platform. There was a large set of blue-coloured powered doors next to it, and he glanced at the switch set into the wall. It's key locked. Wisp, you want to work your magic once again? Once we're inside, we should be able to hopefully grab some either some Pip-Boys or a few key cards, so you can grab a break from there, he said. It took Wisp all of five seconds to open both the security checkpoint door and the security office door itself as well. And as it turned out, Fuller was spot on with his estimation. There were indeed both Pip-Boys and security keys in the office. So all those with arms capable of taking a Pip-Boy grabbed one. And all others had keys. And finally the group headed now further into the vault. As it appeared, there had been a whole big christening ceremony planned for the place. Though given people would have only seen it during the end of the fucking world... Wisp really couldn't help but find the whole red ribbon over the elevator thing a bit bloody morbid. The ride down was pretty quick, and as it turned out, the entire power system was being run by a series of Mr Handy robots, who, upon detecting the presence of the people in their midst, powered the place up for them. Now, Wisp did have to make a journey to rewrite the entry logs to get them to cooperate. Thankfully, though, once she'd done this, She'd done this with the security computer to get it to release the Pip-Boys and keycards. So she simply rekeyed everything to now match the team. The elevator itself terminated in the middle of a large open-plan lobby with two levels that were accessed by a dual-sweeping staircase that ran up from the centre of it. Well, this is definitely a lot more swanky than the other vaults I've seen. Desdemona said she glanced around the pristine lobby which had its walls all covered in what looked like rich-looking oak panelling. Seems that money really talks when it comes to design and writing out the end of the fucking world in style, Glory said, glancing around. Bet the quarters fucking reflect that too. I'd be willing to fucking bet the bunk beds are not a thing down here. Most likely got themselves poster king-size things with curtains and shit, Fuller said, glancing at the sign on the wall that indicated the living quarters. Glory glanced at it too and then grabbed his hand before dragging him in the ind- direction the sign indicated. We'll be back in a few. And do me a favour if you see a door with a fucking sock on the switch. Don't open it if you like all of his teeth still in your head. Glory growled before dragging the rather confused and equally startled fuller off down the corridor. Desdemona chuckled and shook her head as she gave Wisp and her people a look. She was absolutely devastated when she thought he died. It took a days for her even to talk to anyone. It was like she went from synth to robot in one fell swoop. I'm honestly just glad to have her back to her old self, she said. Love can make you do crazy things. I don't think it was any easier and fuller, to be fair. He truly did hate himself for lying to her and doing that to her, Wisp said. I agree. There is nothing I would not do to protect the one I love. 
And if anyone ever tried to take him from me, there would be no force upon this earth that would keep me from his side. Ven said, picking up Gregory in a tight hug, making it look like he was holding a stuffed animal in his massive arms. What do you say we all go and pick out our rooms before we go any further? I get the feeling we're all pretty tired and could probably use a break, Shepard said, giving Passer a very loaded look. Desdemona nodded her head. Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. The rest of the facility ain't going anywhere uh, anyway, so let's go, she said. As the group entered the corridor, they noticed the first door they came to had two names written on the board next to it. Fuller and Glory. Well, I have to admit it sure beats a sock on the door handle, Tom said, making the rest of the group giggle. The fucking dividing walls are thick enough or something tells me slip might be a valuable commodity. And jealousy might become commonplace, Desdemona said, glancing at the couples in the group. These walls are made of fucking reinforced concrete. Doesn't get much thicker and stronger than this. If we still hear them through these, there ain't going to be any soundproof good enough to stop them. Tom said, patting the walls. You better hope you're right, Tom. Claw love isn't exactly quiet, Malachi said, patting him on the shoulder as he scuttled past. Please tell me he's joking, he said, falling into step with them all. Both Gregory and Shepard both laughed in unison. Not even remotely, they said, also in unison. Well, this looks comfy. Malachi said, looking at his and Wisp's brand new four-poster bed, complete with curtains. He climbed himself up onto it and went full spider loaf while looking at Wisp. It seemed really f- full of hurry. They did have a knack for predicting shit like this. Not as comfy as the fluffy bum resting on it, Wisp said, running a hand over said fluffy bum as Malachi glanced over his shoulder at her. Think the railroad would be interested in sharing this place with us long term? Kind of nice to have a safe place to bunker down from time to time, you know, he said. I don't see why not. Three thanks to us that not only are they alive, but now have a true understanding of what's really going on around here. And besides, we have similar goals. So we help them, they help us, and it's all good. One big happy family, he said, clambering up onto the bed before flopping herself down on Malachi's fluffy rear end. I hope so. It'd be real nice to sleep in a real bed again and to have some privacy to ourselves, Malachi said. I hear that. Sometimes a girl just wants to scream a man's name as loud as she can without fear, you know? She said, and then delighted in the blush that flared up across Malachi's neck and cheeks before the pair of them broke down laughing. You're never exactly quiet, you know? He said, drying his multitude of eyes as she shot him a playful grin. Is that a complaint, I hear? She shot back and now he chuckled again and shook his head. Not a chance, he said, shivering lightly as she began to tickle his spinnerets. God, I love how expressive you are, Malachi. Even my lightest touch gets your body to betray just how much you enjoy being touched by me. Wisp said softly she continued to twirl one of his spinnerets around with her finger. I can't help it. For years I spent hiding away, always hoping that one day I would find people other than my own who would accept me as I am. But now here I am with a whole group of them that only just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And not only that, 
but I have the most beautiful soul out of all of them to love for myself. So it hits me hard every time you touch me, because it reminds me of how long I yearn for acceptance. And not only do I have it now, but I have love as well, Malachi said softly. That hit Wisp right in the heart, hard. It was really easy to forget the persecution that Malachi and his people had faced. Hell, that his people were still facing, given that he was really the only one of them that had made it this far into the human world without being hunted down. Wisp turned and moved herself up his back so she could wrap her arms around his torso from behind and place her hands across his broad chest. We'll make things better for all Arachnakai Malachi. I swear it to you. We will show the world one day that you are not creatures to be feared, but gentle, loving people just like them to be embraced and accepted, she said softly. Thank you, Wisp, for everything, but especially for giving me the chance to love you. You truly are an amazing woman, he said softly. You never have to thank me for accepting your love, Malachi. I couldn't help loving you any less than you can help loving me. It just is, and it always will be, she said, planting a few soft kisses on the back of his neck. After a brief rest, the group decided to finish up exploring the vault and getting it all back online finally. As it turned out, the railroad and her own group really did work remarkably well together. As Wisp walked the halls of the lavishly furnished vault, she now couldn't help but smile at the new friendships she saw forming all around her. She saw Malachi in fluffy loaf mode in the lobby, right next to a load of comfy chairs, repairing and improving the armour and clothes of a number of railroad heavies, who all seemed to be rather not only thankful, but incredibly oppressed with the silk-based armour that he'd able to line their armoured coats with now and there was quite a queue forming by the looks of things. She found Tinker, Tom and Gregory down in the power plant working together with Ven on getting the reactor up and running properly, while also making a list of other potential issues that might need attention in the future. She found Fuller, Glory, Passer and Shepard in the armoury, taking stock of the weapons and armour that was now available to them, and as it turned out, there were a couple of suits of custom-made power armour down there that they were working on getting up and running as well, while also taking in inventory and all the new weapons they had available to them. And that was to name but a few of the things she saw. Desdemona herself had taken over the overseer's office and had turned it into the new HQ for both the railroad operations and for the free peoples of the Waste. She'd been quite insistent on making it a joint HQ for the both of them to share intel and work together from. Really seemed that their aid had gone a long way to making quite an impression on her. I feel like I owe you an apology, Wisp, Desdemona said as Wisp walked into the lavishly furnished office. There was now a hive of activity. Oh, how so? Wisp asked, plopping herself down in one of the comfy chairs next to the map table. When Tom first told us about you, not only did I not truly believe him, but I thought it was some kind of institute trick to expose or, you know, destroy us. I was really ready to throw everything I had at you and your people, but now I see what a serious mistake that would have been. I let my pride blind me to the fact that it's not only us out there trying to make a difference, 
and to do some measure of good in this world, she said, looking up from the map table at Wisp. Wisp nodded and sighed heavily. Yeah, I get it. It's really not easy to trust newcomers, especially when they kind of look like us. But we really are on the same side, you know? Wisp said, and Desdemona nodded. Yeah, I think I truly see that now. Hell, if it wasn't for you, either the Institute or the Enclave, we'd be most likely kicking in our front and back doors and murdering us in our own home right about now. But it's more than that. I really do pride myself on seeing non-humans as people. I fought long and hard to have Synth recognised as no different from us. And then when a group that's not only led by a Synth, but has other non-human members shows up, first thing I am is suspicious of you. That alone warrants an apology, because it truly does fly in the face of everything I've tried to uphold from the get-go, she said. Well then, there's a real simple solution there, don't you think? Miss said, and Desdemona looked at her curiously. Oh, she asked. Simple. Put your money where your mouth is, and help us. And in return, let us help you. We both really do want the same thing here. It's just our goals are a little broader than yours. But that doesn't mean we can't work together now, does it? Wisp said, and Desdemona looked thoughtful, but then nodded. Yeah, you're right. As much as they look like us, they really aren't us. But that's okay. Synths are people too. Just like humans, just like your sentient claws, just like ghouls, just like even your fluffy spider boy down there, who makes a mean-ass scarf, I must say. Just like all of you. If we can show the world that these good people are not the real threat, but those that wish to divide us and control us are, then we can finally start making proper and real strides towards building a proper resistance, as well as a proper unity between all good peoples out there, Desdemona said and Wisp smiled at her. Now you're thinking like one of us, Des. Plus, it's like I said to you before. There's a lot more of us out there than meets the eye. Our numbers are spread out far and wide, but we're all working towards the same goal here. If we keep making new friends, there'll be no limit to what we can accomplish together, because every day we'll be getting stronger and stronger. I mean, sure, there's going to be those out there that reject us, and that's okay. Not everyone will believe me, and not everyone will believe as we do. But in the end... All that truly matters is if they threaten us, we stand together and we show them that no matter what, we won't back down or roll over. We will fight for what we believe in and for our right to live and love freely. And not only that, but we will stand and fight for all those that believe as we do. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Hope. Hope for those that never really had any before, Wisp said proudly. Desdemona grinned at her and nodded. You know, suddenly I can see why your people follow you, Wisp. Got a real knack for inspirational speeches, she said with a grin. Thanks, but you ain't seen anything yet. Just wait till you meet my friend and I'll lead a seven. Then you'll see what true inspiration really looks like, Wisp said with a grin. And with that, the pair looked at the table and sighed in unison. There really was a lot of work to be done here. So that was chapter 121, ladies and gentlemen. 
Well, will the railroad and the free peoples be able to hold on to the vault? Or will something nasty come a-knocking? And will they be able to move forward and spread out? And hopefully, will they be able to find the Institute? Only going to be one way to answer those questions and so many more. Going to have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you all next time.